Aloha, everybody. This is Q the Abolitionist, and this is episode 23 of Unshackled Liberty. Hey everybody, um, welcome to Unshackled Liberty, uh, I'm Q the Abolitionist, I'm here with Crypto Gumbo, hey. and Jeremiah Harding, and, and we are going to talk about libertarian and anarcho-philosophy today. Um, dude, I don't know what else to say other than that, I know that, uh, that, we, that we talked about doing this show um, for a while now, and, and uh, you know, Jeremiah, first of all, thank you for coming back, thanks for... Uh, yep. Uh, coming back and joining us on the show, we we had a great time with you last time, even though it was like, uh, it was like we we had to do it twice for one show. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> well, you know, I it's part of the thing about being bipolar. When you do have energy, you have a lot of it. So, yeah, very good. So awesome. What are you eating? What are you eating these days? I know you're always up to something interesting. You got you got uh, you're very you're very specific in 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 what you attack with your with your teeth. So what are we what so, are we doing today? So, um. Like today, I had General Tso's chicken. It's like it's I grill thigh meat until a lot of the fat renders out, and I don't get breast meat. I think that's a waste of time. But um, I grill thigh meat until the fat renders out, and um, and then I use the fat to fry eggs. So basically, I had a chicken thigh and seven eggs, um, and I had that along with uh, some chicken flavored ramen that I added uh, this stuff to, which is. The cheapest um, available high quality General Tso's chicken sauce. So, um, but like mostly, I just I try to keep good macros. So like high protein or high fat, never high carbs. Um, okay. In, in like yep. it, it to me, it should always be like protein, fat, carbs, or fat, protein, carbs. Um, like Chef Jeremiah right here. Because like if if you do it the normal way that you've always been taught because the food pyramid was bought by big ag um around the time when when like they, they were getting used to the heavily subsidized grain from the new deal and shit. um and the general notion is that our health has been hijacked by a sugar industry by a grain yeah. industry i agree with by, that. by and so like what they did is they kept on saying fat is bad, cholesterol is bad. Don't eat anything like with too much of either, or you'll turn into a fat Becky, right? So the the whole like that led to the obesity epidemic. The obesity epidemic is a direct result of government intervention in diet. And the general notion is that we've been lied to in, in a very specific way you shouldn't ever have carbs be the primary source of your nutrition and if you do uh your teeth will wear down your kidneys will get stones your uh, liver certainly won't thank you your stomach will have too much feeding the gut microbiome leading to dietary issues um humans were never supposed to do that we were hunter 
gatherers, yeah. not gatherer right. hunters. I remember so, seeing the old the old documentaries where how eggs and sausage and bacon come about being the so-called breakfast items, right? It wasn't even like that before. That was the industry pushed thing due to the amount of uh, of those of that harvest that we had at the time, or something like that. Well, also, like, so the the bacon specifically is an interesting thing because when you deal with bacon, you're dealing with a part of the pig that almost nobody used before. And then they had a bunch of this stomach left over, this this um, belly skin, a pork belly. Oh, that's um, so big in Hawaii. I mean, huge. Yeah. And, and it's good because it, it, it turns out bacon is one of the best things for you because it's got great macros. It's got high fat. It's got good cholesterol levels. It's got protein, um, and it's also got a significant amount of B vitamins, minerals, and uh, carnitine and uh, exhibitors, car uh, carnitine agonists. So um, they found out later after pushing it because basically nobody wanted to eat it before until they sliced it thin and fried it. Um, they found out afterward that it actually wasn't too bad for you, but only after a bunch of people pushed the idea that if you eat fat, you'll get fat when that's not supported by any dietary science whatsoever. Because your body needs high quality fat. Right? Yeah, well, and, and, and also if you start to eat lots of fat, if you start to digest a lot of fat, um, your body will start to produce the necessary chemicals to do so. If you don't, um, digest fat regularly, your body won't get used to that and it won't produce them as well as, 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 as it could. So what you want is you want a body that's used to producing ketones and then you want to give it every opportunity available to produce ketones. So like the, the fat, protein, uh, low carb, not necessarily no carb, you need energy and carbs are a very good source of energy. But if you start getting your, your, your primary source of nutrition from carbs, you're going to crash. You're going to start developing a lot of uh, LDLs that, uh, that build up fat cells. Um, your your uh, body's going to – go ahead. Uh, so, so I know we we're supposed to be getting into anarchy and libertarianism, but this is interesting because I wanted to go into – what do you think about all these like uh, – these very clean diets these days where you know a, a lot of the vegetarians and and veganism and uh, they're basically against any animal products do you think there's an agenda behind that or is that just a naturally occurring um, subset of of lifestyle choices or both I don't know there's I mean it's always going to be multifactorial especially with something this big but part of it is the technocracy you can manage plants a lot better than you can manage animals. And if you can get everybody to eat a lower uh, animal product diet, you can mass produce plants more. You can do vertical farming. You can uh, have an entire society built around these things instead of having the societies built around like um, um, feeding animals crops, getting those animals to do what you want them to. Um, it's a lot less complicated to produce mass amounts of plants than it is to produce mass amounts of animals. So if you want to control society, if you want society to be under your thumb, it makes more sense to have a bunch of plant eating rather than a bunch of, um, a, a bunch of uh, meat eaters. Like, but ultimately, there are a lot of people who have ethical concerns because 
the liberalization of the country has caused a lot of people to start questioning previously held social norms like eating meat. I mean, if you read the Bible, it's full of eating and sacrificing animals. So mm -hmm. if you're a Christian, you're automatically going to be on board with the idea of killing animals. If you're a Muslim, um, you're automatically going to be on board with killing animals. If you're an atheist, a lot of these things that, that these religions take for granted uh, are harder to take for granted because uh, you have to justify things not based on some book or some you know preacher that told you something, um, but you have to base it on like you know um, like a different set of philosophies, which is only really relatively new. So while this philosophy of atheism is being built up um, from the ground up essentially over the past like you know, several hundred years um, and being based on all these older philosophies in general uh, you get this idea of like um, we have to find a new modus we have to find a new way that society can structure itself do you think that one supersedes the other or that they all exist together well I, I think because that's just two of the factors like I think I think these things compete is, is what I think. Oh, I think yeah, they yeah. have good I way to look at like ebbs and flows. And then like there's the, the this the other part of it where like the less meat you eat, the less fat you eat, um, the less uh, animalistic you feel, the easier you are to control. There are very few people that get more aggressive on a vegan diet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So if you do want to control So people, do you do you think that do you think that the uh do you think that the low protein, low animal, uh, you know, flesh diet um, is is kind of leading to like the uh, the pacification of of the American man? Do you think? I mean, I don't know if that's even the right word. I, I mean, I don't even know if I'm using the right word. But like, you know, I've often said jokingly, but not so jokingly, that if we had a higher red meat diet, we would have won the American Revolution 2.0 by now. You know. Um. Well, first off, I think I think the American Revolution is being suppressed more by people's cultural decisions than their dietary ones. But, like, um, I would say more suppression of everyone, male and female. If if you can't properly raise kids because you don't have enough proteins and fats to produce good breast milk, um, if you can't, uh, you know, produce enough of the the hormones necessary to live a, a healthy life, you're going to be a, a bad mother. Um, at least, you know, by default, you can obviously change uh, certain aspects of your life and be better than, you know, cope with your circumstances. But um, by that same token, you're not going to be as capable a father if, if, if you have low energy, low testosterone, low minerals, low protein. Um, and you certainly, there, there are proteins in, that are found in meat that are closer to our muscle structure. And if you don't have those specific yeah. proteins, um, it's going to be a lot harder to build muscles and to become a strong father to defend your family. So you, you'll, you'll be weaker and government will not only have greater levels of control over you, but th they'll be able to step in as a nascent father. Um, the father you couldn't be, and people will seek their sort of social guidance from the state rather than the father, rather than the mother, because they're they're too weak, because they've been fed on a diet that's better for a cow than a human, 
and because they eventually turned into who they are then. So it's a form of destroying the family over time to make men more docile. Not just men, but people in general more docile. I think so. I'd agree with that. So, yeah. and and that's just one of the many things the state does that are evil. So, I mean, that's a pretty decent segue into uh, the subject today. Yeah, yeah. Now that we got our nutritional it's funny, facts, it's funny how you know I'm sitting here listening to us. We're talking about diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're talking about diet. I'm like, how are we going to swing this into the topic? But yeah, you did a good job there. <laughs> well, I mean, because the thing is, like, I'm a big proponent of the idea that food is medicine. That you yeah. know, as our uh, th- there, there was a great interview with Joel Salatin not too long ago on Joe Rogan where um, – and Joel Sal- Salatin runs a, a farm called Polymath Farms and uh, basically he tries to do a lot of permaculture and a lot of cycling that a lot of other people don't do to provide for a much richer livestock and crop experience. And, um, and what it does is it improves all around the quality of food. And um, – one of the things he noted is that yeah. yeah it's it's more expensive to farm this way so the food will be more expensive but uh while the it it's been about propor- proportional uh in terms of cost the amount of money that people have stopped spending on food that they started spending on healthcare so um a, a lot of the stuff that that that's been done has been designed to create a society where people are, are weaker more dependent on corporations, more dependent on government subsidies, and less interreliant upon the, their their neighbors, local farmers, local sources of food, and this all creates a, a society that's much easier to control. So, I mean, to me, diet is one of the primary ways that the state has learned to kick the stool out from under our freedom, because it's subtle too. It's like, yeah, because most people aren't looking for the evidence of that, you know. Yeah, well, and most people also don't. They they don't know how Pavlovian conditioning works. They don't know the fact that the school system yeah. was designed to train them onto a system of bells, chimes, and whistles, all with a constant drip feeding of grains and high sugar diets while they're being told what to do, when to do it, and being punished for disobedience. So the school system from a very young age trains children into the diet that they will have for the rest of their life if they don't choose one of these alternative diets and get called the weird kid. And um, and so these diets that they choose, they're directly controlling diets. They're diets designed to treat you as a lab experiment getting a, uh, a drip of sugar when you do the right thing, where they get to assume what the right thing is and then control you based on that. So diet, school, it's all directly related to control matrices that they've been building before you could understand what control was. And they've gotten you to think it's good yeah. because the high sugar diets trigger the same reward centers in your brain and the same addiction su- circuits in your brain as cocaine does. Um, so they've gotten you to essentially be addicted to a legal form of cocaine um, that they've used as a reward system to control you into being a passive consumer of the same grains that are subsidized by the same government organizations with the same corporations that you'll be chewing in the trough of your entire life. 
it's, it's, inter- the way it's they interesting want it. that you say that because, um, you know, I, so I was, I was labeled or, uh, I was diagnosed with, uh, chemical imbalances, attention deficit disorder, uh, Same. hypertension, depression. Yeah, me too. And I, I was, I was, and I, you know, I come from a, you know, um, single, single mom, you know, uh, so, you know, I didn't do very well in school and my, my mother was afraid, so I went to see doctors. I was prescribed Ritalin and Effexor and Remeron and Adderall and all those phases of that stuff. And as I got older, looking back on all that, I did better in life later because I grew up. You know, I, I had some mm-hmm. life experience. And looking back on it, what what my issues well, yeah, you grew were? Up. Well, yeah, yeah, but but it was it was a, it was a structure. And the average the average man, our brain doesn't develop. Yeah, you know, yeah. Until later yeah, but, in but, life. but 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 I need I needed structure. I needed a proper diet and I needed water instead of Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper and, you know, fast food and all the stuff pumping there. So it was it wasn't that I needed to be medicated is that I just needed some rearranging and my nutritional and my diet and, and my structure, you know. So but but what what I was able to come out of that. Think about people who are my age now that never left, you know, being uh, medicated. They're like. In their 30s, in their 40s, and they've been taking these pres- these prescription drugs that's supposed to help them all these years. How is that going to affect the DNA in their family line? You know what I mean? So it's well, it, 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 it's a form of control. It's a form of manipulating uh, the 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 bloodlines of families, right? So it's a yeah. destruction of the family in a way. And and let me let me be very specific here. I've studied um, for a long time interrogation techniques. And uh, one of the chief ways um, that interrogation works, um, and this is like the brutal stuff, this is like, one of the chief ways that it works is you tire them out. You remove all their energy, all their will to resist, and then they don't resist you. So if you want to keep somebody's slate blank long enough to rewrite it, or long enough to write it initially, you keep them tired. so what society has taught people is that you wake up, you eat a big bowl of grain like a good cow, and after you get done eating that big bowl of grain like a good cow, you, um, you end up uh, crashing not too long later. So you start, you start your day of school, which is an indoctrination camp run like a Pavlovian dog experiment in a prison sentence, um, and you're tired. You're too tired to think anything else than, I need to regurgitate exactly what I'm told. Then you go to a break, and if you're lucky, you get some sugary snacks at a break. Our society is built upon these things. I right. think yeah. boot camp Q and I yep. think MK Ultra, I think yep. all those things. You know what I mean? Like yep. Yeah. And right. then you go to a lunch and it's primarily grain, it's sugar, it's it's all these sweet things. And then you know, you have PE like in noon or the afternoon or something, where you end up like very specifically uh getting even more tired, and then eventually they give you lunch. Um you know, or or eventually they let you have something that's high protein, but only after you've already been so tired and so regurgitated all day that you don't question the way things are. You just do it, and if you speak out, if you act out, you're controlled and or drugged, put through therapy, put in special classes, um, 
And ultimately what they're doing is they're using a Prussian model of indoctrination. That's the reason it's called school. Um, that's the reason so many of these words uh, are of a Germanic root because yeah, the entire, Germanic. yeah, because the entire idea of the, the school system is to train people to mindlessly obey the state and ultimately run toward gunfire, do whatever yeah. they need to do. Follow orders is what they're yes. trying to do. So, you, uh, um, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Oh, you can go. I was gonna say. Uh, so, thinking about the. So I I agree with you. Um, but how does this? So there's so many people. So apparently the state, or whatever you want to call it, wants to control the masses. So they're obedient workers. So they do uh -huh. the, the 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 bidding of their overlords, their masters, right? So there's so many people. What would happen if every individual actually became an individual? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I've had argues, arguments with, not arguments, but debates more like conversation with Q. Because I come from the mind that I, I, I thought, I think, most people need to be, not most people, but a lot of people need to be told what to do. And then as I started this journey, I started to understand, well... Maybe That's if because we've been programmed that way. Yeah, yeah. So, so I couldn't see that before, but now I can. I can. I'm starting to see different things on on the horizon that I didn't see before. Um, every, you know, you meet people where they're at. Everybody's in a different place. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I come from the thought process of most people are stupid. They need to be told what to do. But now that I'm kind of uh, seeing things from a different lens, I'm understanding that we we are we. I, I think we're all God's children, and we're all individuals. And now I'm starting to kind of see that nasty presence off it, off in the horizon. That's kind of pricking at us, you know, like people, you know, um, controlling us. And and it, and it comes from a different uh, place because you know I come from a I love that conspiracy stuff because I know there's a lot to a lot of it, but most people are programmed to think, oh, just that stupid conspiracy theorist guy, you know. But anyway, what are your thoughts on that? That's well, sorry, I went so on a tangent there. <laughs> There's a first off. There's a concept called unschooling, and it's where you can take uh, somebody uh, either who hasn't been through school and you know raise them in a better environment, or you can take somebody who has already been through school and teach them a better way of doing things. You know, work to their strengths more. Because, like for instance, ADHD people, uh, bipolar people, all these sorts of things that uh, the state would rather you be medicated for. Mm -hmm. Those sorts of things. Are would have been great in the times of like hunter gatherer societies. You know, you're constantly scanning the horizon. You're not focused on filling in bubbles on a sheet because the more you look down, the more chance it is that your tribe will get you know slaughtered. Here comes um, that lion. Pay attention. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, but this society doesn't want that. This society doesn't want a society uh, a world of vigilant people. Who, who look up, they want a bunch of people looking down at a piece of paper, filling out the right forms, and being a good, you know, as, as OTEP would call it, which is a great band, uh, happy little slaves for the minimum wage. Mm -hmm. um, that's what they want. They want, your, they want your head down, you know, moving in a straight line, keeping six feet apart, um, you know, uh, not listening to anybody but the state and if anybody deviates from the state don't listen to them don't talk to them don't give them a platform um 
the way society has been organized has made a very hostile environment to truly pro-freedom people. And it's very unlikely that we'll ever see anarchy. If we do, it'll be because people got angry enough, were upset enough, uh, or, or at least were, you know, active enough that they could break away from the system. And if that does happen, these people that just got angry, these people that just completely reformed society, they're not going to want to go back. So the question isn't necessarily should all of these people right now consider themselves individuals, because a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are um, still very much uh, willing participants in the collective. Um, but ultimately, the question should rather be... Um, how do we get these people to see their individuality and start to cultivate it? How do we start to get them to be the square peg in the round hole? Um, you know, start to resist the molds that they've been placed in, you know, yeah. start to use their strengths. Because, like, for instance, there's a, a personality test called the Meyer, Myers-Briggs. Um, I'm ENTJ. I am the incredibly offensive hostile commander type and um i you know it's uh, i don't i don't know if this qualifies as foul language but i'm going to say it anyway because it's a quote from the page um i may be a bastard but at least i'm an efficient bastard um that that's my type yeah but I, I was not well liked in school because of that. I was not well liked by the administration who wanted somebody who would do what they were told or at least be a leader who transferred instructions down the line. Um, they didn't want me because I stuck out and because I had opinions that went directly against their control mechanism. Um, that's part of the reason my mother turned me on to libertarianism to begin with. Uh, was because she saw that I didn't really fit Democrats or Republicans. Um, and I told her that. And I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to vote for either of these people. And so she said, well, have you looked into the Libertarian Party? I'm like, no, I have no idea what that is. Um, and she's like, there are, th there are more than two parties, is, was my question. I was like <laughs> yeah. 17. And so she showed me the, the Libertarian site, even though she's not one. Um, she would consider herself more of an independent um, but she showed me that and, you know, it's basically been this way, uh, like slowly converting to being the extremist ever since. And basically like, yeah, the ENTJs are a minority, but there are a lot of people in that minority. And the more of these people can come out of their stupor that the state has put them in where they have to either not be the one giving orders or only give the orders that satisfy the state, um, a, the, the more potential the world has for positive change, but not just ENTJs either, everybody else. The more people can realize their strengths, the more people can realize what they could do for a revolution, the less complacent they'll be because basically they've been told their entire lives that it's impossible. And you know, I'm I'm a pessimist. I'm a cynic. I don't think this is going to end well, and I think we are going to lose. But I still tell people that the only reason we will lose is because people failed to try. Yeah. Um, 
I see that too. And yeah. ultimately, like a lot of these people have learned to never try. So the the, the ultimate truth is in this regard, yeah, the current stock of people the way they are would be massively unfit for an anarchist society and would, and would prob it would probably collapse. But that's not how it would be if an anarchist society took root. An anarchist society would be based on a massive paradigm shift toward that direction. Um, a new zeitgeist, a new culture, a brand new, like, it, essentially it's like this. You know, I'll, I'll put it in, in a way that I think will be very receptible. When you're when you become a Christian, you become washed anew. The old yeah. you is washed away, and you are baptized in the Spirit, and you come out a new person, a new flesh with new strengths, because you're reliant on a new paradigm. No longer are you reliant on you know the world of the the, the flesh and Satan. You're then reliant upon God, upon the blood of Christ. So well, that's the that's the. Uh... That's the goal, right? Yeah. Right. You know, so, um, everybody's still in a in a fallen state, of course, but you know, that's the whole idea of salvation is is putting your putting your faith in Christ alone, and right. And, you know, the, this war is a spiritual war, not a physical war, not a flesh and blood war, right? So, right. So, think of it in terms such as those. Um, when you become an anarchist, your paradigm is no longer that of statism. Um, your paradigm shifts to becoming one of trying to find a solution to a given problem, whatever that problem may be, that does not involve the, in, uh, the, the inclusion of archons and archonic methods of, of action. And if people got interested in this enough to create an anarchist society they would have had to have already built the building blocks for that anarchist society to exist, and they probably already would have figured out ways to deal with themselves anti-archonically. Like, it's, it's one of those chicken-egg situations where when you, when you start from the presupposition that we live in anarchy, you have to realize that there are certain steps to get there first. Yeah, and those steps will probably create a fertile enough soil that when that does happen, it'll happen and stick. Um, and additionally, the people who aren't ready, like at all, um, those people will be lost by the wayside because ultimately, um, the state is going to murder us all eventually. There's no way that humanity won't reach critical mass at some point, and they won't have to do a mass cleanse. In fact, I think that's what this uh, COVID thing is. I think the state unleashed a virus, and I think we're all under this new paradigm of control that this virus has been put out. But I also think that these people who like ultimately go in the direction of bohemian grove whether mm -hmm. or not the child they're sacrificing to a moloch is real um these people who go in the direction of the georgia guidestones where they're uh talking about 500 million people in perpetual harmony with the earth um these people are going so spooky to me dude 
Uh, yes. Just it's icky that just hold that what you just said, 500 million people in perpetual harmony with the earth. Yeah. That sounds icky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry if there's not a better word for that, but. And, and, and it is like, but that's the thing. These people are fundamentally sick. And if we keep on giving them more and more power, they're going to kill us all. So the question isn't whether or not people can do anarchy. The question is whether or not people will before they're killed for not having done it. It's it's a uh, we I don't know probably overdone, but it's that whole matrix thing, right? Like we talk about that way too much, um, but it, there really is an interesting parallel there with the red versus blue pill. Like like take that red pill and see how deep this rabbit hole goes, or take that blue pill and get right back, plug yourself right back into the machine, you know. And there has to be um, in any in any libertarian philosophy, right? Um, you you have to first accept the fact that you're plugged into the machine and uh you, you know the, and there is a machine this is the machine and we're all yeah. part of it if you if you pay rent you pay mortgage you you pay your taxes you you know um you rack up your credit card debt you you know what i'm saying the car registration all that stuff right like you're plugged into the machine you're using us dollars which is basically debt right and of course more debt now than it has ever been um and you know all that and then so but so you don't really change physically because right. I'm still plugged into the machine. Yeah. I still have a good job. I still pay my taxes. I still do all the things that you just kind of got to do because, I mean, let's be honest, nobody wants to live in a cage. Um, but at least mentally, I've taken this red pill. I know it's wrong. I know that the state is violence. And, and I'm really interested in trying to push this message of liberty forward to see how many people we can wake up, how many other people can take this red pill and see how deep this rabbit hole goes and eventually get to a point where maybe, just maybe, through force, through counter-economics, through whatever else, we can find a free way to live that doesn't involve um, being a Duracell battery, you know, for the state. So, I don't know. And, and, and you know, we talk about the Matrix, and, yeah, that's cheesy, dude, but it really is a good metaphor for, the, for all of what we're talking about here. Well, hey, you know, if 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 you want something cheesier, I'll I'll just I'll I'll say what I've said uh, like probably hundreds of times at this point, which is that the Matrix stole everything they had from Sonic. Um, <laughs> it ain't easy being cheesy, because like, because like, think about it. In in That's 1991, right, yeah. he was freeing uh, enslaved beings from powering the machines, and the machines were being used to control a technocratic fascist dystopia that was trying to rule the <laughs> entire so world, right. and then eventually the galaxy, universe, whatever else, and then eventually the multiverse, if you look into some of the lore. And the, whole and the whole thing was about trying to uh, understand your inner, your inner energies, understand your true power, and uh, eventually uh, harness and control that in alignment with the way that the energies work, and uh, and be as much like as confident and as free as possible in the face of total adversity and an empire that was enslaving the planet. So I mean, if if you really if you really want to go the cheese route, I always talk about the fact that you know I'm just here to collect chaos emeralds. I think <laughs> yeah. I think it's hilarious, and now I get why why you push that. Uh... Why, why you push that Sonic the Hedgehog thing so hard, dude? Sonic's cool though. I used now, to, now I, I used get to it. Play that like crazy, right? Yeah, dude. It was for me. I was a kid playing a video game. I didn't get all the, 
all the subtleties of, of the storyline, but yeah, you push it out there and yeah, man, that's pretty dope. <laughs> well, Jer- then- Jeremiah, could I ask you, um, um, so could you give me like your definition? I'm sorry. Of- uh, oh. it, 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 it just cut out. Could I, oh. could I ask you what? Oh uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, could you tell me what your definition of libertarianism is and then tell me what your definition of anarchy is and then tell me the difference? Well, I mean, from your perspective, of course. So, libertarianism is the opposite of authoritarianism. It's on a sliding scale of 100% authoritarian to 100% libertarian. And it's a mix between them. Like, people hooked on the political compass sort of miss the point here because um, the political compass artificially has way too broad a scope that misses the nuances and what the the one like i I have so many things i could say about the political compass or any of these tests that people Mm -hmm. do online that's all these things are wrong but the the primary thing that i could say is um is when you end up uh with these political compasses they always assume that there's a dead center which is wrong there is absolutely no way to be dead center not only because of changing political tides um, and a consistently um, uh, updating philosophy where everybody's got something new to say, um, there's never going to be a dead center. The dead center doesn't exist. And if you don't have a center, you can't have a full-on like uh, uh, grid like that. You can't have a uh, you you can't have a broad mathematical equation without any rooting, without any constants. All sciences bunk. So, including political science. So, when you try to think of it as positive 10 to negative 10, in terms of like like 100% authoritarianism to 0% authoritarianism to then negative 10% libertarianism, it misses the point. There is no 0% authoritarian in the middle of the chart. Um, so, the way it should work is you recognize that it's not really a scale between, you know, 10 to negative 10. It's a scale from 10 to zero. You start to realize that there are authoritarians at the top, uh, libertarians at the bottom in this scale, or flipped if you you don't want to be called a bottom or whatever. There are some people that make jokes about that. Um, but about the, the whole, like, if if you look at it this way, it's a scale, 100% authoritarian, 0% authoritarian, 100% libertarian, 0% authoritarian, um, or sorry, 0% libertarian. Uh, it, when you start looking at it this way, um, it becomes slightly clearer. And like, I like that. I like models that are like repeatable and clear. Um, and in this particular case, what this lets me do is it lets me say, that based on this sliding scale, um, the difference between, quote, libertarianism and anarchy is the closer you get to 100% liberty, the closer you get to 0% authority, the more libertarian you are and the closer to anarchy you are. So Hmm. I define an anarchist as one who, by whatever modus they are, whether they're ANCOM, ANCAP, ANSIN, mutualist, agorist, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, 
by any of these moduses, um, whatever they are, uh, if they are 0% authoritarian and 100% libertarian, then they are an anarchist. And that means an anarchist is the purest expression of libertarianism. Hmm. What is a panarchist? I just recently heard that term. A panarchist is somebody who uh, embraces all forms of anarchy. Okay, okay. I, like, and I qualify as a panarchist, except I'm incredibly hostile and rude. So, my no, particular... no, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that. My particular form of, of panarchy is designed for militants and um, people who are interested in direct action, people who are interested in finding concrete ways to move um and and so it's all about building ad hoc coalitions to use them when you need them and dissolve them when you don't need them anymore um and and so i called that anarcho coalitionism but basically it's a form of panarchy with action in mind um I, it, heavily influenced by people like Konkin and pruden so so is is any form of authoritarian uh, authority is any form of authority a negative thing from your point of view or does it depend Here, here's uh, or... the thing like there, there's authority is a messy word okay because uh, control a lot of, uh, a, a, form of... well it, i think it's i think it's valuable to discuss i don't the know way, the, the way people in society have been organized has been to take definitions from a top down to ask the state um, or in this case, state-approved schools, you know, culture, whatever, what a word meant. And based on that ultimately negative and counterproductive paradigm, we have uh, resulted in a very muddled definition of what authority is. And there's, in my opinion, two types of authority. There is uh, earned authority, where somebody has given you the authority to do something like, you know, um, if, let's say, I started a militia, um, the people who came to my militia asking me for directions would be giving me the authority to give them directions um, because they've, they've, they've conscripted that to me. Mm -hmm. Or like a landlord, if, uh, if, if, if you've completely consensually signed an agreement with a landlord, or like, you know, um, a commune, if you're in a commune and you've you've signed over your 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 labor to that commune and you've agreed to their communal structure, um, or or you know a business or something, that that sort of authority where you can opt in and opt out is legitimate because the person in the position of authority constantly has to earn it. So that's more of a foundation or a structure versus I guess what we were talking about earlier, like authority. So I guess. Yeah, authority is a messy word if you're talking about it and a foundation or a structure of of right. a, a but, set of uh, ways to go about. Functionally, there's two kinds of authority, right? There's a, there's legitimate and illegitimate. And legitimate authority is based off of voluntary interaction. Illegitimate authority is based off of involuntary interaction. Right, and that's and, why I, I call the latter authority by fiat. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, yeah. if if, and that's the thing, fundamentally one type of authority can be granted in a libertarian context but if you're authoritarian it means you structure your society by authority rather than by choice which means that you can you can have authority in a libertarian concept 
but you can't have uh, liberty in an authoritarian construct, oh, which, good, good. Which, yeah. which means effectively, um, like, what, what you get when you get uh, authority legitimately is you get willing participants who want something out of it, and that's the reason they have accepted whatever hierarchy it is, whether that hierarchy be, um, you know, the, the structure of a commune, which is usually relatively horizontal, or the structure of a business, which is usually relatively vertical, um, which is why a skyscraper is a great building type for a business, because, you know, you can delegate up and down floors, and everything's structured and organized, and you can write, draw it up in a diagram. Um, but, like, wh whatever your whatever your sort of cladistics are, whatever your sort of like structure is, um, that's, if, if it's voluntarily gained authority, that could be possible within a libertarian construct um, because it's what people want. It's, it's them choosing, using their liberty to live under whatever construct you have. Um, but if it's authoritarianism, it doesn't matter what their liberty wants. You have stated you have the authority, and by that decree, by that fiat, you are king. You are ruler. Mm. What, Did you want uh, to spend some time and talk about the different flavors? I mean, there's a lot, but but functionally, the different flavors of the different uh, anarchy philosophies. Like you, you know, I would consider myself kind of a hybrid between agorist and ancap. Um, both of those philosophies share some things, and then of course they they don't so when 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 i have situations where i have to figure out which is which it, that's a personal choice but like there's ancoms and and mm -hmm. uh, you know anarcho anarcho syndicalists and all these other ones and the primitivists and all those did you want to spend some time talking about that i mean i, I can give it a general thing like you know for instance anarcho syndicalism is relatively similar to anarcho communism but it has like elements of like some sort of council hierarchy so like you have a, a syndicalist uh, board that you know is responsible for some level of community representation that sort of thing uh, and com is basically like you there there's there are resources that are used to create things and everybody has equal access to those resources so that they can all just go in and create it without the permission of a boss or some sort of overlord. A mutualist, everybody has what they need and tries to only exchange value for value under the construct that excessive profits are surplus labor and therefore theft. Um, and the then there's the concept of agorism which split off from anarcho-capitalism in that i'm sort of moving right um but or whatever whatever direction the thing is going right now um i'm sort of so agorism split off from anarcho-capitalism it was a, a philosophy rooted in conkin's sort of appreciation of leftist mentalities and moduses um so basically what it's designed to do is it's designed to be like just capitalist enough to still please the capitalists but also just socialist enough to please the leftists which is why he always talks about workers rights why he always talks about how corporations and capitalism are huge status problems um and why he started the alliance for the libertarian left and then there's anarcho-capitalism which is basically businesses take care of things um and you structure either um 
uh, homeowners associations, covenant communities, or just in general uh, business-related things to structure society. Um, now, there are debates between them about who is what, about whether or not they're anarchists, because a lot of people came to it from different positions and used different language. But ultimately, there are some general common themes that uh, that run between them. And if you know, essentially, if you've, if you've got your own mental Rosetta Stone, you can talk to all of them. And, you know, it, it, that's one of the things, like, the more languages you know, the more dangerous you are to any government because you're not beholden to any one place. And it's sort of like that with regards to anarchy. You know, the more languages you know, the more uh, uh, the more anarchist schools you can talk to, the more dangerous you are because you're not going to be one of these people constantly caught up in, you know, hating the left more than the state or hating the right more than the state. You can realize that the state is the ultimate true enemy and ultimately you're not going to end up better because you crushed your fellow man's anti-state rebellion, no matter what form it was taking. Right. And in each one of those is a different, is a different picture of, of some sort of order. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing in, in any of those philosophies that would suggest that anybody's leaning towards a Mad Max existence, right? Oh, well, I mean, none of those. There are some that are closer to that especially when people don't understand what these things are they like the aesthetic they like the zines they like the the the, the look but they don't actually know the philosophy um and then there are some that are just i refuse to call them anarchists like red market anarchists um which basically rely on human suffering and exploitation i don't think that's i think anytime you create a structure of uh of exploitation and uh, and aggression you become a state so yeah I, I think ultimately like a lot of these things are resolvable by understanding the fundamentals of what makes up a libertarian society and recognizing that order um, in this case spontaneous order is best created by letting the market do its work and that once that the market does its work um, the society that comes out of that is probably going to be relatively stable because it necessarily had to be in order to foment to begin with. And a lot of these are just different ways of structuring because people still like structure. They just don't like this structure. Mm. You know, you know, <laughs> they say I'm not kind, just not your kind. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you're right. People want structure. And we enjoy structure. I think we're looking, you know, for purposes of this conversation, for voluntary structure, right? Yes. Um, you know, nothing, nothing coming down from from some sort of hierarchy that is an overbearing overlord sort of sort of thing, such as like, I don't know, a government, right? Like that's well, nothing fiat, right? Right, genuine, like, the, like a de facto concept. Yeah, because like the the thing fiat is. A uh, word for decree. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down. Therefore, you must do it. No, that's 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 not logical. It's not reasonable. But somehow people accept it because it's easier to accept it and go with the flow of whatever society they create based on this incredibly facile and empty existence than it is to create something new. Because what the alternative is under that system. Life in a cage, 
Yes, that you know that's that's the alternative. The alternative to that to that uh, you know fiat system. If we're not if we're not organized and we're not free thinking and we're not individuals and we haven't figured it all out, if we haven't taken the red pill, so to speak, the alternative is don't pay your taxes, end up in a cage, and if you fight hard enough, end up in a pine box. You know, right? That's uh. I mean, so at least, you know, at least for now, because yeah. the thing is, it's really easy to catch uh, one wolf. It's harder to catch a pack. Correct. Mm-hmm. So if if we started to tribe up, there would be a lot less they could do without being overt with their oppression, without and, pulling it out in the open. Like, well, Gumbo, that's, just, that's that Gumbo. That was that's what gets me. Um, going every time when we have our little our little side conversations is is uh you know if if we were to you know voluntarily like you said jeremiah tribe up um you know our tribe would protect its own you know and that, and i use tribe but you know just like you did it's 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 you know it could be like you said homeowners association um you know different different little you know uh yeah you know, commune yeah. Um, Commun- or, you know, that's what you're or into, organization. Or, or covenant, cult, com- covenant communities and things like that. You know, you're not going to have, I don't know, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, bas- like, you basically have that. Like, it's still a structure. Yes. It's not no structure, unless that's specifically the life you chose. Like, there's some people who would probably be very much into Hermitage, especially when um, the state wasn't ruling over them, telling them, hey, you're off grid, you can't do that. Um, so there would probably be a significant amount of people into Hermitage and just trying to find a place in the woods. But, like, ultimately, um, the mass of society would probably still want all the stuff that that's been built like they wouldn't want to give up the internet they wouldn't want to give up you know streaming music blah blah they wouldn't want to give up running water or sewers or whatever you know because part of the selling point of anarchy is going to have to be still proving that we can have a civilization and be anarchist and not move back to the days of bubonic plague and sewage running the streets yeah um, and, that, and that's why I think that it, that, that necessarily the uh, if if we're ever going to throw off the chains of the state, it would have to be through the market because you you're going to be able to provide those services in a market setting, you know. Um, because if there's a need, the market would present a solution, right? Correct. Because somebody it. is going to have the answer to that problem, right? And and maybe and maybe several somebodies, right? And you'll yeah. get to choose, you know. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like these several somebodies would compete. Like, and like, if if you as a worker decided you didn't like living under the McNukistan Corporation anymore, you could move to a commune. Yeah. You could, or you could move to a, a mutualist family farm, or you could move to an agorist subcommunity within your Ankabistan, um, or you know, an agorist subcommunity in mutualistan. You know, what whatever actually comes out, you could move to a primitivist colony, where you literally lived off the land. There's something to be said for that. You know, Ted Kaczynski was right when he talked about the fact that everybody's fighting over trivial noise while we're heading toward an iceberg. Um, You know, while the advance of technology is going to create a society of rulers that put us all dependent on this technology so that we can no longer depend on each other and ourselves 
And so that eventually when this technology is used, it's used as a mass implementation of a control matrix. I mean, this is the thing, like w when you start to think in these terms, you start to think a lot more loosely about a lot of stuff that you might have had stronger opinions to the opposite for. And one of the things that r really started to chisel away at my statism was the fact that I started to read people like Ted Kaczynski and realize he wasn't wrong. You know, yeah, I mean, because because when yeah, you think these people are just wrong. violent, radicals, with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you think these people are just violent radicals with nothing good to say, because everybody's convinced you that these people are violent radicals with nothing good to say, you never read them, you know. But when you start to when you start to look at these people, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have mailed people poorly made bombs, but he was still very good at what he did. And what, what he did was writing huge amounts of philosophy before then. And almost nobody cares about that anymore. It's starting to get that way because people are starting to see the technocratic dystopia coming and uh, hear people like even Elon Musk saying that we're all going to be pets of AI. Yeah. Look so, at your so, look at your latest update on your iPhone. I'm sure Jeremiah yeah. is probably the reason why you don't have an iPhone. But like, look at your, you know, I have a... My iPhone, I, I turned off my automatic updates because this last one that came through specifically says um, something to the effect of making it easier for the state to track our contacts in this COVID-19 um, environment that we live in. Yes. And, uh, you know, so I was like, oh, let's turn that one off. And now I'm like considering, OK, what's another option for me? That, and then you know, now they're going to have you. They're going to have you by the by the boys yeah. because you're going to have to update it, you know, eventually. And, and so but I can put it off and figure out what's going on. Maybe. Maybe there's a, uh, I'm waiting for the market to provide a solution, a phone that doesn't have that. <laughs> well, I mean, the market has plenty of solutions. There's, yeah. the, Libra, there's the Libra phone. Um, there's there's a complete, like, overhaul of the Android interface called the, uh, the F-Droid, which is a completely Google disconnected Android infrastructure that... Um, that that still does the same stuff with less app support because you know most people aren't on that network but which still does what you need it to and which is much more user friendly to customize and code for and you know all that stuff Correct. because they don't have to go through proprietary google noise but the the whole idea like there are options um me personally i have just a normal android phone i just treat it in certain ways that change certain things like yeah. you know and and I'm planning on getting some things that I've been planning on getting for a while, uh, like a Faraday bag, which means that if you don't want to be contact traced, even if you have the iPhone update, you just put it in this Faraday bag, and they can't trace you anywhere, much less contact trace. So there's that there's that element too. Like there are little things you can do. Faraday bag. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what a Faraday cage is? I'm looking up a Faraday bag. Oh, Faraday bag for iPhone. Do Do you know what a Faraday cage is? No, it's a it's a mesh lattice of uh, of metal, like oftentimes copper or uh, aluminum, and basically what it does is it uh, blocks signals from the outside because they they can't get in. Um, like it's one of the things I joke about. You know, if if you, I don't believe that there are signals being beamed at my head, but if I did, a tinfoil hat would be the last thing I would put on, because. <laughs> It's a dome it's a that isolates. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a conductive dome that isolates signals. When MythBusters, I believe it was, tested this, they found out that the tinfoil hat actually increases signal concentration in the area uh, in question. So, if you actually do think something like that's happening, you need to get a Faraday cage. 
Yeah. And uh, Which that, is, that's it's funny about the tinfoil hat, how that was thrown out there to be the accepted crazy conspiracy person hat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and people like me who've, like, I, I spend probably four or five hours a day just researching things and absorbing information both through video and audio and something I'm reading. My mind is constantly split be between three or four information sources for a decent chunk of the day mm -hmm. and uh, and when I was doing this for about a week once to research the proper way to block signals in case it ever was happening I kept on coming back to Faraday Faraday materials Faraday lattices you can build entire Faraday infrastructures into your house um, the so I mean, even in terms of the contact tracing thing, you could just put your phone in a Faraday bag and um, they they wouldn't be able to tra track you anywhere. I mean, nobody would be able to call you. Yeah, you wouldn't be really able to call either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're really concerned, you could just let those go to voicemail and say, hey, if if I don't pick up, I'll, I'll take the call later. I don't like to be tracked. And if people give a sh shrapnel about any of the <laughs> things, you know. Good one. You know, like they'll, 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 um, they'll respect that, you know? Yeah. But, but that's, you know, that's the point. You've got to start to listen to a lot of the more insane people, the more like people that you'd be adverse to. If you truly want to free your mind, you've got to ask why these people were demonized to begin with, which his demonization did not start after the alleged bombings. His demonization started when he was a radical writer. He was already, fairly hated by a, a decent chunk of people um which is the reason he became so you know angry with the system um you know community has a lot to be said for its ability to prevent radicalization um, and also to deal with ne uh, negative emotions more positively um you know but the the state has broken the spine of community the state has broken the spine of intellect and reason and openness and as a result, we've ended up in this society where, you know, you have to, you have to get that feeling down your spine when you start to read somebody like Kaczynski, even though he was correct. You know, you've got to, you've got to get that uncomfortable cognitive, cognitive dissonance where you're saying, you know, am I actually going to read the words of a terrorist and properly consider them? You know, and that sort of started to break me a lot of my previous statism, and so did this uh, this woman who gave this beautiful Twitter thread based on a lecture she gave because she 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 uh, an international relations expert with a specific expertise in uh, in counterterrorism. She used to work in intelligence, and one of the things she noted that most people don't think about or care about is the fact that a lot of these terrorists, they don't get off the ground. They don't get these big organizations from nowhere. They don't just get it because people want to be dangerous and insane. They get it because Al-Qaeda promises nursing homes to old people. They get it because Al-Qaeda promises schools and food and the life that was taken by the West. Mm. The life that was robbed from you by the West is what we can offer you. And when hmm. you start to realize that, when you start to realize that a lot of the people the state wants to demonize are people, and the reason a lot of these people are in these situations is largely to do with the state, um, you realize that maybe a lot of the reasons that these people are the way they are is because 
the state gave him no other option than to be radical. That goes with the. Uh, we were talking. We were talking at work with somebody. Um, I was anyway. Um, so, and and the the term conspiracy theorist came up in 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 the normal way. Um, in it kind of a kind of a uh, kind of in jest, kind of poking fun. And I made the point. They weren't directing it at me or anything, but I made the point to say, you know, one of the most. Um, bastardized terms in the English language is the term conspiracy theorists. And if you break it down for what it is, dude, you, you, you know, this is not an original thought. I absorbed this somewhere in, in some of my studies and podcasting and all this other stuff, but um, we all recognize there's a problem. You know, even the guys that are, that are still willingly plugged in because they see no hope, right? Um, we all recognize that there's a problem. And when you look at the news and you can trust every time you, you listen to CNN or Fox News or the mainstream media and you just know that what they're saying is not true, um, it's true enough to compel compliance. But when you start questioning it, you're, you're labeled a conspiracy theorist. But why? I mean, you are, I guess, a conspiracy. You know that there's a conspiracy out there. Everybody knows there's a conspiracy out there. Even the statists know that there's a conspiracy. But if you start to question it, now you're crazy. I don't yes. understand that, but but you know that's that's one of the well, most bastardized terms in the English language, and it's just not right. I mean, it, you know, that's how you learn things, you right? Know, question, question, have a questioning attitude. It causes, it causes the programming to go haywire. They yeah. can't handle it, you know. You know, have <laughs> questioning, know have questioning attitude. You know, require forceful backup. I want to see evidence. I want to see legitimate proof, not not manufactured or doctored information. You know, and. I'll be willing to accept it when I see that. Otherwise, I remain skeptical. Does that make me crazy? I don't think so. Um, well, it makes you crazy in in the the frame of reference of what people consider sane because yeah. they've considered sane instead of well adjusted, instead of reasonable, instead of having innate curiosity. They've considered sane conformity. Yeah. So you step out of their bounds, and you're suddenly a problem. Um, I mean, and they'll turn on you really fast. <laughs> the in a mob. The the school system is new. It's like it's like less than two hundred years old. Um, like everybody likes to act like all this stuff has been here forever, but it's, it hasn't. This stuff is new. Um, and the the fact is that you know they've with that and um, many other things slowly been converting society into a society where uh where control is the norm and part of the way they did that is by importing a bunch of nazi scientists and importing a bunch of 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 their methodologies um into secret programs that uh would later become uh, the MK programs, and those really never stopped. They they still have them going. They just don't call them that anymore, um, because the documents that were revealed have you know been very clear that these programs uh, were like less successful than they would have liked, and they were going to broaden them. So there's still MK Ultra like experience experiments going on right now. But the point is that if you watch people like Truthstream Media's uh, documentary, uh, The Minds of Men, you'll find out that the primary reason they did this was to try and figure out how to turn on certain, uh, off and on, certain human impulses like a switch. 
primarily through the modus of like and, and through the stated reasons it's of a great youtube channel by the way turning off and on yes yes they are uh, of turning off and on violence like a switch and ultimately that's exactly what they've done they've for for about uh four decades uh they did massive amounts of this mind control research until uh until you know the whole watergate thing happened and some of these doc documents were revealed um but they like they torched a lot of what was there before they got to it before the before the discovery committee actually got to it before the church committee saw a lot of these documents a lot of them were heavily redacted a lot of them were burned um and what that means is that there were probably worse things that 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 they did that we don't even know about so like the point is that they've slowly for the past about a hundred years and you know 200 plus if you if you count some of these other things like importing the prussian school system um i'm gonna the, start using it i'm gonna start pronouncing it that way i'm yeah, gonna you, you've, yeah. you've motivated me yeah <laughs> um b because of doing all this they figured out how to control our minds they've gotten into us and the ultimate goal of any anarchist should be to reach into that maze and pull them out because the blocks are mostly in our heads yes. they've they've put policemen inside our skulls from yeah. the moment we were born and ultimately we have control over what's in our mind but only if we want it and many people don't even know why they would want that control much less that they do such so a frightening it, concept you think about somebody who's who's lived in the system you know, blindly for so long. And, and, uh, man, I'll tell you, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll run the parallel. You ran a Christian parallel earlier and I'll do the same thing. If you take somebody who's, who's, um, blind to their sin, right. I'll say, and, uh, and, and blind to their, um, their, I don't know, their, their, their willing ignorance, you know, uh, to you know, to to the system, right? And then you you show them what salvation is in Christ, right? And then or what what independent thought is through libertarian philosophy and anarchy. It's such a frightening thing for somebody to just hang up everything they know, or at least be willing to put into question everything they believe to be true. And you know, I mean, I got saved when I you know here it's a Christian thing, right? So I got saved. I was sixteen years old. Um, there was a lot of things I had to, I had to just go, whoa, 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 time out. So everything that I believe in this, in this arena is not accurate. Now I need to, need to maybe change my, my beliefs, my belief structure. And so I was able to do that when, when I, when I took that red pill in 2000, during the election, uh, campaign season of 2015, 16, um, I just got tired of the, of the two party system. And I started down this road of, of libertarian philosophy. I'd always been kind of like libertarian leaning um, as much as you can be as a neocon. But it was frightening to just kind of go, I'm walking away from the Republican Party. I'm doing it because it's just not right. I'm not I'm not this guy. This guy does not rep represent me. And uh, mm -hmm. once I got going and I realized how, how far I really was ready to get away from all of that. And now here I stand, you know, on, on, a, on a podcast, it's basically – you know, libertarian variety show. We talk about uh, libertarian philosophy off and on as it meshes with Christian philosophy. And um, that's a frightening thing to get somebody to hang that up and start down that road. People don't want to do that. They're, 
it's uncomfortable. uncomfortable that's for sure. <laughs> uncomfortable for them. And, uh, you know, full bellies don't, don't revolt. You know what I mean? Like if they're, they're, they're well fed, they're comfortable man. they don't revolt. So, yeah. yeah, well, you know, people talk a lot about cognitive dissonance as though it's just a thought. It's not, it physically activates the same portions of your brain that light up when you're in extreme pain. Um, they've done scans and they've watched people and when people get cognitive dissonance, not only are they afraid, they're angry, but they're also in pain. Mm. They're hurt. When you're doing battle with these ideas, you're not just doing battle with some amorphous concept that doesn't exist. You're doing battle with the structures in their brain and you are cutting them down. So these people are going to get defensive. They're going to get defensive because you're challenging something that they've long held and because you're not stopping even though it hurts. They're, protect, they're protecting their illusions because they, the, they don't want them shattered. Yes. They have to hold on to them with dear life, right? So the, the whole point is it's not going to be pleasant, you know, and it might not even result in anything positive in the end. We could all die tomorrow. The point isn't to worry about that. The point is to push on boldly and continue to do so. You know, like if you want, if you if you want to get cheesy and and a lot less less dark and heavy, because I can, I tend to do that a lot. You know. <laughs> well, this is, whole... heavy, this is a heavy this is a heavy topic. We've we've been you know Gumbo and I have been meaning to have for a while. So, right. So well, you know we 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 we're do this. You know. Yeah. Well, if, if 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 you if you want a more positive way to look at it, j just remember what Sonic says. You know, if you have time to worry, then run. You know, just keep moving forward. The whole point is to not stop, even though it might be dangerous, even though it might hurt. You keep going. Keep getting them rings. Yep. <laughs> keep getting those rings. So I want to, I, I think, I feel like the conversation is kind of winding down. Um, I do want to bring up the non-aggression principle. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to get your thoughts on, on, on the non-aggression principle and what you think about it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty strong proponent of it. Yeah. I think, I think it's a useful tool to determine the general and like a lot of people, because they use a heavily modified and interpreted version of the word aggression which the state has handed down to them as part of the indoctrination matrix, uh, which is that aggression is any anything you do that upsets somebody. You know, you're mm. verbally aggressive. You're you're yelling. Don't that's aggression. Um, you know, you're you're aggressively defending your ideas. Oh, that 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 paint color is pretty aggressive. Um, you know, the word has been watered down to the extent where people feel as though. It ha it's it's such a loose term that the non-aggression principle would be too hard to nail down, much less enforce. But my particular modus here is to look at etymology. I had a great teacher, uh, English teacher, in high school, and one of the things he did was he taught uh, taught us to look at fallacies. Mm -hmm. And ever ever since he's honestly probably one of the the chief reasons I started to stop being a neocon because. Um, he he showed me this site, and I just couldn't stop thinking about how everything it, it was saying was true, but it 
totally destroyed what I was saying. You know, like my previous mentalities were all based on illogic to replace force with, you know, to replace to replace logic with force. And um, ultimately, um, if you start to use these these uh, uh, fallacies as examples of what not to do, uh, you end up with uh, the the result being not letting things be shifted, not let goalposts be moved. Now, the non-aggression principle is not new. It's been around for a very long time, and the word aggression itself has been around for a very long time in various forms. So the closer you get to the roots, the more accurately you can strike them. And in this particular case, uh, the word aggression comes from the Latin uh, aggredi, and what it means is to move against. So if you're not credibly threatening or um, violating somebody's rightly held boundaries, you are not committing aggression. And if you are, uh, you're violating ethical standards by almost everybody's consideration. So people would be right to stop you. I think it's one of those principles that meshes well with, with a lot of... Um... Well, a lot of philosophy, you know, a lot of the a lot of the beneficial philosophies of the West, I would say. Um, I don't know, man. I you know, non-aggression principle. I like it. I, I look at it as kind of like a kind of a rules of engagement sort of thing. Um, well, and it, it meshes well with the Bible. I yeah, mean, you're not you're not supposed to live by the sword. Yeah. You're supposed to uh, to to live as peacefully as possible, even enduring aggression, as long as it's not aggression that will threaten your life. Um, you know, turn the other cheek, um, give him your cloak, blah, all that stuff, right? So it meshes well with that. It also meshes well with most cultures, at least not the cultures that are virulently pro-war. Um, yeah. Well, there's so, no future in those anyway. A lot of those cultures die off out of necessity anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. and it's why the U.S. is going to die. Yes. I mean, you, the, the U.S. is going to eat itself on this global war it's waging. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, I mean, you're right. It's it, we 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 live in. A, I mean, you look at the United States history. What is it? 214 years out of 240 and some change, maybe, that uh, that we've been at war in some way, shape, or form. You know. Yeah. Um, I might have a couple digits off, but I know it's in the vast majority of our of our of our nation's existence. Um, there we have been at war in some way, shape, or form, and very, very, very few of them, in numbers in the single, very single digits. Um, were even justified. Uh, you know, you can go, okay, Revolutionary War, check. Um, and then almost after that, it's hard to find a good one. You know, <laughs> I mean... being really honest, you know. You so. know, I mean, but even the Revolutionary War is questionable because is. Yeah. let's have a war largely funded by uh, banksters, you know, like who bought the Hessian gold. Yeah. Um, you know, let, let's have that be the, the, the fundamental basis for a war. And then let's have that war massively ignore the liberties of the existing First Nations people who are already here. Let's have that war heavily rely on uh, forced labor. Let's have that war in the end result in a constitution that does not restrain the government pretty much at all. So yeah. that the anti-federalists have to haggle for it to get even 10 acknowledgments of liberty. Um, you know, let's have this, this, this government that immediately quells a tax rebellion, um, in the form of the whiskey rebellion. 
let's have a, a government which, you know, excludes entire races and sexes of humans and entire classes of people which can't access it because they don't own land. Um, let's create an adverse environment to anyone who doesn't meet our specific uh, societal things, and that's why they still had things like the Salem Witch Trials later later on. If the Revolutionary War was fought for inalienable human rights, it failed. You're right. I mean, if they're inalienable and they and they apply to everybody, it took us a long time, and we're still not there. Um, yeah, man, you're right. And uh, I was just looking at it from a principles of liberty. That <laughs> okay, here's one that might be in the might be in the W column, and then all of the other ones are based off of. You know, I, you brought up the Constitution. Um, Maybe this isn't the place to plug it, but but I did something with. Uh, uh, are you familiar with Bullshito? Do you know that guy? He's got his no yeah. real libertarian podcast. Yeah, I I edit that. Awesome. Oh, you do. Okay, good. So we um, we're doing a uh, kind of a side a side hustle. Um, both he and I, you know, it's on his show, but uh, we did we did a little recording today on the Eleventh Amendment, and I thought it was fascinating that here we go. We have the tenth. One of the things we talk about, and it's uh, you know, it's it's relevant to this discussion now as well. Um, the first 10 amendments of the Constitution, of course, we, we consider those a Bill of Rights. And those are restrictions. Um, those are restrictions on the government. You know, I say that with quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what the government cannot do and how and how the people are protected. And then the very next one after the first 10 um, is a protection against, it's a, it's a protection for the government against the people. You know what yeah. I mean? So, 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 and then, and then you watch that, and that was something that was a point we wanted to make the Eleventh Amendment, which basically we won't go too much into. It. It's not what the purpose of this episode is, but it restricts our ability to sue the state, yes, right? in 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 court. So, within the confines of the law, you know, an American citizen has no has no recourse when against a tyrannical state, you know, right? And that was the very first one they plugged in. After ratifying the first ten, yeah, and and wow. then of course they universalized slavery under the guise of uh, of emancipation. They yeah. they put us all on yeah. the plantation and basically meant that like, uh, if if you if you were a criminal, you could still be a slave. So all they needed to do was create a bigger government so that they could make more of us criminals. Yes. yes. Um, and then like additionally to that, you've got like. Uh, the amendments that that allowed for um, the creation of the Federal Reserve, so the government could run whatever they wanted because they could they, they weren't constrained by capital concerns. You know, like the the U.S. has never been free. The U.S. has been a like during westward expansion, it seemed free because thing things were further apart and people there could. Frontier. There was a largely un, ungoverned frontier, right? You know. But, but that but once it got done expanding westward, um, it became suddenly massively uh, less free because they had nowhere else to exploit. They had nowhere else to sink this warlike cancer-like spread to. So suddenly they were constrained to uh, extorting the labor from the, uh, existing citizens, and they had to extort it that way. Rather than finding, you know, some Indian to exploit, rather than, you know, being Christopher Columbus and raping the Tainos, um, the the whole like idea of European 
colonization has always been to spread like a virus to a new location, no matter who's there, absorb resources and set it up as though you found it. Um, and create a, a, a largely replicable model of the European imperialist uh, kings. The, 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 the feudalism never really stopped. It just changed colors. You're right. It did. It just changed colors. Hey, uh, I think that's a good place to stop. I don't want to. I don't want to carry this on uh, too long. I think. I think we hit a lot of interesting points. Gumbo, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Jeremiah, how do thank you, you Jeremiah. Yeah. Well, you know, I could talk about this stuff for a very long time. So it's it's ultimately up to you guys how long it lasts. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I, if you don't mind coming back, we'd love to have you come back every so often to kind of keep bringing, bringing these topics up. I think you're you're a wealth of knowledge, um, and uh, it, it's nice to kind of talk about something other than the coronavirus, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to come back. Maybe we could talk about how uh, we we need to be sort of hydrophobic to pedophiles and sort of other exploiters in libertarianism. Maybe we could talk about the best strategies to root them out next time. That'd be great. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. So, hey, do you want you want to plug your plug what you got? You did it last time. Do it again because you got a lot of stuff out there. Just uh, you can Google insanity is free. One word. Uh, you can also Google Jeremiah Harding or go to jeremiahharding.com. Um, but basically, I'm I'm everywhere, and I just recently started writing professionally for a site called Agoris Nexus as well. So you can check out my stuff there as well. That's great, dude. I, I, I've read a couple of those. those. Those are really neat. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. And maybe we'll bring those in and we can have you just, uh, I don't know, next time talk a little bit about them. What do you think? Yeah, that should be fine. Right on, dude. Also, one more thing. Jeremiah, mm. happy birthday <laughs> to you. Yeah. Woo! Happy. Oh, are we going to do the whole song or no? Okay, I guess that's enough. I, I was coming in on the second verse. All right. Mm, cheers. Yeah, All right. We're out. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Unshackled Liberty. If you wanted to follow me on Twitter, I am at Q underscore abolitionist. Gumbo is at Crypto Gumbo. Our show account is at Unshackled underscore L. If you like what you're hearing and you'd like to subscribe, please do so. Please give us a good rating. If you leave a good review at Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the next episode. If you want to leave us a voicemail to be included on the next show, and if it's funny and clean, we will do so. You can do that at anchor.fm slash Unshackled Liberty. You can also donate to help us create more content at anchor.fm slash Liberty or at patreon.com slash Liberty. We thank you for your time. We thank you for your listenership. We love each and every one of you. And don't forget to listen to all of the other shows on the frat.